find that interesting that Jesus not only later in this particular passage calls us friends, he calls the disciples, no longer do I, do I call you servants, but I call you friends. So friendship is something that, that, that he, was, he was comfortable with. Friendship was something I see now as we begin to read this, that he's telling us that, that we need to have friendship in our life. That, that you and me, and, and, and we're not loners, and he didn't put us on this earth to be alone, and he didn't put us out here to, to, to just go off and do our own thing. He put us out really, he put us out in this earth to have friendships, to have relationships, that he's our closest friend. He's our first friend, of course. We talked about that last week. But the fact that, that, that we are supposed to, in this earth, not just have friends, but be friends. And it's impossible to have friends unless you be a friend. And I think many times, as, as I, I shared last week, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people and finding out just how lonely folks are. And, you know, around here, you know, we work very diligently and work very, very hard at, at providing opportunities for people to connect. You know, Lori talked about young married and married life and, you know, now the fabulous 50s plus and that group, you know, and we've, we've got mentoring going on coming up in a couple weeks. And, you know, if you, if you have uh, opportunities in your life where you do feel a little bit lonely, where you don't think you, you know people and, you know, if, if, if you look around tonight, you may, may know everybody here, you may not know anybody here. But there are opportunities, you know, that, that we provide here and there uh, to get involved and to get connected. Please. Take advantage of them. Get involved and get connected. Because you never know what God's going to do as he uses you to minister to somebody else, but as he uses somebody else, of course, then to minister to you. It's important to be involved. Lou Holtz said you're going to be the same person that you are in five years from today, except for, he says, the books you read. I would say all the media that you're presented with. You know, life has changed a little bit since he made that quote. He says you'll be the same person tomorrow that you are today, except for the books that you read and the people that you associate with. The books you read anymore, you know, that's important, of course. But, man, we watch a lot of TV. We watch a lot of Internet. We watch DVDs. You know, the media that we allow into our lives is a little different than it was maybe 20 years ago. So all of that media and the things that you allow into your life and then the people with whom you associate, that's really important. If you don't like the way your life is going and you don't like the direction it's going, look around and see who you're hanging out with because a lot of the times it mimics the people who are around you. And if your world's starting to shake a little bit and you're not sure what's going on, look around you. Maybe a lot of bunch of people are shaking up your world. <laughs> Maybe they got some stuff going on. How many times has people fallen into this trap of going to minister to somebody only to end up hanging out with somebody and being drugged back into what they just came out of? You know, be careful with whom you associate. Who are you associating with? You know, God's our first prayer. We talked about that. Abraham was called a friend of God. In Isaiah, God actually says, as he was sharing and speaking with Isaiah, he called him Abraham, comma, my friend. Before you, Israel, are my servant, and my servant, are my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen the descendants of Abraham, my friend. And the fact that Abraham was God's friend, and when Abraham passed along all the blessing to us, along with that, in Galatians chapter 3, along with that fact that saying that we are Abraham's seed, came the fact that we're allowed then, or we can say that we are God's friends. That the blessing of Abraham is ours because we're the seed of Abraham in this earth. For all of you are sons of God through, through faith in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on a little bit there and says that, that we are the seed really truly of Abraham. The seed of Abraham in this earth. And with the blessing comes the opportunity to be his friend. To have a relationship. You know, we know what it means to be friends here. We, we know what it means to, to, to be pals and to know each other and to have associates and, you know, relationship with folks. We have the same opportunity with Jesus, even more so. 
I would encourage you and tell you this too, that you are a friend of God and that it is important to have friends in high places. You know, people say sometimes it's not what you know, sometimes it's who you know. And you know God. And you may not know all the right things to say, you may not be put in the right position, but because you're his friend, he'll open up doors for you. I remember when I was just getting ready to teach, and I had just finished student teaching, and I did my student teaching at, at Lafayette Jeff. And um, when I finished, I went to the big job fair, you know, over at Purdue, and, you know, I had some interviews with some folks, and, you know, I had an interview with, with, with Lafayette Jeff, and, you know, the principal there at the time, his name was Denny Blind, and, and he knew who I was because he knew my, the people who were my, my supervisors, and, and, and unbeknownst to me, they had told him, uh, this is a fine guy, you need to go find him a job. <laughs> Sometimes it's who you know, somebody watching out for you and making a way. Now, God's involved in all of this, so don't get me wrong. It wasn't just one guy in this earth that did this. But, but this guy, I didn't even really know that he, he, he knew really who I was, other than the fact that, you know, he was the principal and I'd met him once or twice, and he knew I was a student teacher. But when I, I was going along the day, you know, and I was, I was meeting with all these schools and everybody was smiling at me and I was trying to smile at them. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't having anybody say, I, I want you to come, come teach for me. Well, I'm married. I got two kids. I need a job, man. I'll, I'll do whatever you need. I, I, I'm here, you know. And, and all of a sudden, this guy came out of the blue and it was Denny Blind. And he came over and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, you have a second? And I said, oh, Yeah. I do. <laughs> Anything you want, sir. And he said, I don't have a job. I said, okay. <laughs> but he said, I know somebody who does. And he picked me up, you know, and grabbed me and walked me like arm in arm. Like this is a, this is a, this a, you know, this guy's, he's well respected. He's been, he was the principal there forever. Everybody knew him. And he literally walked me arm in arm over to this principal and he patted him on the shoulder and he said, Frank, you need a math teacher. I'm telling you right now, this guy right here, he's the guy you need to hire. And I just looked up at him. <laughs> And the, the guy looked at me and said, is that right? And I said, uh, whatever he said. <laughs> sure thing. I didn't have an interview with this guy or anything else. But, you know, if you'll just allow your friends to make a way for you at times, if you'll just allow God to make a way for you, he'll open up doors that you didn't even know existed. The guy sat me down, said, well, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I said, I know. I didn't even think he knew who I was. And uh, he hired me, like, right there. Said, come on down tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more. I went down the next day, and he said, hey, here's a contract. You can sign it, and you got a job. As far as I'm concerned, if you're good enough for him, you're good enough for me. And, you know, that's just an instance of just somebody who, who knew my name and knew who I was and, and, and made a way for me. If you'll allow God to be that in your life, he'll open up doors, and he'll make a way. See, he'll, he'll put you together with people that you didn't even know and you didn't have any opportunity to be with, but he'll put you there. But you got, you got to allow him to have that kind of way in your life. You have to allow him to be able to move you and maneuver you. And I think in our life sometimes we don't realize how close Jesus is as a friend and how much he wants to be our friend. Last week we talked a lot about it. And if you weren't here, you can get the message or you can check it out online. But, but this week I just want to keep going just a little bit farther from that. The fact that Jesus is a great friend for us, he's the best friend. He's the one, like we said last week, sticks closer than a brother. And the things that he is to us, I believe, are the things that he is asking us to be in this world to others. That if he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother, then what do you think he requires of me? See, what do you think he requires of you? To be that friend who sticks by somebody's side. 
Not one who's a fair-weather friend who's here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus hasn't ever left you. Many of us have been friends with him and wandered away for a while, then come back. But he's never left us. He's never been the one who defriended us on our spiritual Facebook. Okay? We're, we're the ones who have defriended him in the, whole, in the whole scheme of things. He's always been there for us. And he asks us to be that too. He always thinks about us, it says in Jeremiah 29, that he thinks thoughts that are good. He thinks thoughts to bring us hope. Now think about that and think about your friends. You know, how often have we been the people who were thinking the best all the time? See, if somebody turns on us, do we think the best? If somebody turns their back and walks away from us, do we think the best? It says that he has thoughts about us to give us a future and to give us hope. Now, we in turn then, I believe, and we say this, well, they weren't a good friend to me. Well, how many times have we maybe not been the best friend to him? Yet he is there thinking about us, pouring out his life, pouring out his words, pouring out his spirit into our life. He's the one who's always with us. He laid down his life, just like we read in John 15, 13. And I think in our lives as we go here, I'm going to share just a couple things and just a couple opportunities that we have in this world really truly to be friends. And it's important. Many times I think we don't realize how important it is to have relationship in this earth. Many times I don't think we realize how important it is to have connection in this earth. If we don't have connection and we don't have relationship with folks, I'm telling you we're making it very difficult on ourselves and we're not fulfilling the things that God called us to do. Because without having that relationship, without having that friendship, without having that intimacy with people, it's very difficult then to begin to change to begin to, to disciple, like it says in Mark, like we've talked about in Matthew at the end of the, chapter, at the, end of the book. It, it's very difficult to go out there and make disciples if we're not willing to open ourselves up in those kind of relationships. How many of you have witnessed the people who were your friends, had an opportunity to share with people who were your friends, had an opportunity to pray with people who were your friends, had an opportunity to stand with people who were your friends? See, those are great opportunities, and those... But, but those, are, those are relationships that you've invested yourself in and that's opened up the door between you for you to be able to do that or to be that in somebody else's life. Now, on the flip side, how many opportunities do you have to pray for somebody who's not your friend and you barely know? How many opportunities? They're out there. They exist. But how much more difficult are those than the ones in which we've invested ourselves and we know? I would encourage you, open up your eyes, open yourself up, to the, to the opportunity to be friends with folks. It says in 1 Corinthians, and I want to read this in chapter 12. I, I, you know, I, I, I just, this particular verse talks about, and we've shared about this lately, you know, the hands and the feet and the eyes and the whole body. We need each other. You need the person next to you. The person next to you needs you. We need each other in this church. We need each other in the body of Christ. But I'll tell you, when you go out the door, you need people in your life too. You need folks. And so today we're going to talk about a couple different situations, but read this scripture, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. It says, I want you to think about how all this makes sense, I'm sorry, how all this makes you more significant, not less. And here's the idea, and here's what it means. If you're a hand, you are more significant as a hand hooked to a body than you are severed on the ground. If you read this scripture, it begins to talk about the foot and the hand and the eye and who is more important. And if I'm a hand, if I want to be a foot, am I any good? Basically, if you read this whole thing, what we have to come to the the realization of is this, that as a hand, we're much more useful attached to the body. 
as a foot were much more useful attached to the leg and the body. As an eyeball were much more useful in the head than we are laying on the ground. And before we go in and talk about the differences amongst the pieces and the parts, we have to realize that that's the case and that you have a part to play. And if each one of us don't play our part, then the body doesn't work right and it suffers. It says a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said I'm not elegant like the hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would would that make it so? If the ear said I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want it removed from the body? No. You don't want to take your ears off just because they're not eyeballs. Plus, how, would you, how weird would you look if you had eyeballs on the side of your head? And you couldn't hear, but you had four eyeballs. I would fi- how many of you could even walk? You'd fall down because you'd be looking from all these different other things. You couldn't do that. I mean, what if you had all these ears all over you? You think it's loud? You think it's loud now? What if you had like ten ears? How many times have you not wanted to hear what your kids were saying in the car? Now think about if you had all these ears all over, you'd hear everything. I don't know, that'd be good. It says, if the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. For no matter how significant, or it goes on, I'm sorry, it says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown into self-importance. See, I think sometimes we realize that we're a hand and that we can't function without a hand, so all of a sudden I'm the all-knowing and all-important hand. It goes on after that, though, and it says, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. And we're a part of something big in what God is doing in this world. You're a part of it. Not just in the, the four walls of the church, but in the body of Christ. We're all, we're all extremely important to what God is doing. And it goes on and it says, an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. <laughs> what we have is one body with many parts. Each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you, or the head telling the foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way around. The lower the part, the more basic, and therefore the more necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. See, it's important. All the workings and all the parts, of course. It goes on and it says, when it's part of our own body... You're very concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than you would the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I guess that just depends on if you're bald or not. Because I, the other way, I mean, I, you know... I, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part is dependent upon every other part. That we all have a part to play. You have a part, I have a part. We all have a part to play in the church, in the body of Christ. And we all have a part to play in the relationships in which God has placed us in as friends. You know, whether it's to the the person down the street or whether it's the person in your house. 
whether it's the person at work or, you know, it's the person that, that, that you met up one time back in high school and they continue to pop up and you, you got this feeling in your heart that you're supposed to talk to them, share with them, and, and maybe rekindle that friendship, but you don't want to because of the hurt or because of the past or whatever that might be. It might be an opportunity that God is using in your life to, to do something there and to make a difference. But we have to be open. We have to be open. And too many times, I think, as, as just people, I mean, we got way too much going on. we got way too much happening in our own world to worry about being friends. You know, when we talk about young married or we talk about the married life or the Fab 50s and all those kind of things, we think, I'm way too busy to do all that kind of stuff. Well, the enemy will keep us busy forever. He will keep us so busy that we'll be isolated like we talked about last week, and he'll eventually get us to the point where we're alone, we're isolated, and then he'll begin to disintegrate all of the good and all of the things that have happened in our life as he isolates you from the crowd and he begins to put you over here. But where does God in all of this? He, he's about coming in here with a big hug. He's not about putting us aside or putting us away. It's not about isolation. It's about bringing us into that group, into connection. People come in the church all the time. Don't get connected, and then you don't see them again after a few weeks. They may have been here for two or three weeks. They didn't get connected. They didn't meet anybody. They didn't come up with any friendships. They didn't find anybody. They didn't, you know, the pastors can't be the friends to everybody that comes in the door. You know, part of this relationship in the body of Christ is for us to embrace and to unfriend the people who come in the doors. Why? Because then they're connected to what's going on in here. And since they're connected to what's going on, they're open to what God has to do in their life. You know, as we begin to go and begin to grow this year, we, you know, we'll have small groups and different things. And we, we, you know, we, we always are adding things and changing things and bringing things along. Why is all of that? To give people an opportunity to get connected, not just those of you that are here, but those who are coming. And if we can't befriend those who come, if we can't open up our hearts and open up our minds to the opportunity that there might be somebody else coming that might be new that we might need to befriend, then, then we, we, could, we could be sitting here talking to each other in 10 years and be the same group. Think about it in your own life. You know, has your friendship pool grown or has it shrunk or has it remained the same? In our lives, I, I know this, that, that God put us in this earth and our, and our first friendship, of course, is with Christ. But then I believe, and I shared this and taught this a whole bunch of years ago, our next group of friends and our next group of friendships are our family. And you may be here today and say, well, that'd be great, you know, but my family's jacked up, it's all messed up and it's all crazy. They all are. They all are. If you scratch the surface, it all smells. Everybody's, everybody's family's a scratch and sniff. It just determines, you know, it just depends on how hard you scratch. There's a whole bunch of stink in there all over the place. <laughs> it just depends on what you're scratching, you know, scratch what itches, whatever. But family was God's idea, and here, here's the situation, and I want to encourage you in this. We talked about relationships, you know, last year, and we talked about, really, we focused on husbands and wives. And we talked about the levels of, of, of our relationships, that, that our, level, our, our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with God the Father, is that's our first relationship, our first level. And then our family comes next with our wife, then our children after that, and then the rest of the family. Then after that comes the people that he's put us with. And that if we jack up any of those levels, we can't go down anymore. That if we've got a problem with our friendship or with our relationship with Christ, then we're going to have a problem with all those other levels all the way down. That you can only be successful in your relationships, your friendships, as this is talking about today, de depending on how solid the ones are above it. 
So your family relationships are important. And I know many of us come from families, and maybe you come from families where there's been problems and people didn't like each other and things have happened and, you know, all of that stuff. But let me encourage you with this. You can't change somebody else's heart. You can't change somebody else's mind. They have to be the one who does that. But you can love them regardless of their heart, regardless of their mind. Because family is the only thing that you didn't get to pick. For the most part, God gave you to a man and a woman, and you are their kid. You didn't pick that. See, your brothers and sisters, for the most part, you didn't pick that. What are you laughing for? You got good brothers and sisters. All sisters, that's right. You ain't got no brothers. Sorry, Bill. Prophesying over you. Could you imagine <laughs> Sue O'Brien coming in? <laughs> she would kill me. You know, God put, God put the family unit together. You know, he created Adam. And, and, and then he said, it's not good that man be alone. And so he created Eve and he began to, began to instill family in the earth and really truly that that's that's a group of people who when it all goes down it all goes south really i believe they're like our built-in group of people in this earth who are our friends who fight with us and stand with us and stand next to us that laurie and i may not always agree but i'm telling you what you pick on her you're gonna pick on me you know and she may not always like me but i'm telling you if you come after me you're gonna have a wildcat over there she's gonna come at you it's gonna be ugly and, and really, truly, with your children, it's important to not be friends, but to befriend them. It's important. Too many people get in trouble with their kids. By becoming the friend in an age when those kids aren't able to handle that kind of friendship and that relationship, that you befriend them as they grow up. And if you raise them in the way that they're supposed to be raised by the word of God, as they get older, train a child in the way that they're supposed to go. And as they get older, they won't depart from it. But I'll tell you this, as they grow older then, you go from befriending them to being friends with them. That in our family, it's not a whole lot different. We're friends with, with, with our parents, Lori and I and Matt, and you know we're, we're friends with Mom and Bill, and our children are some of our, Elizabeth and I's best friends, Daniel and Rachel. Now, you're probably not going to whoop your friend that's sitting next to you tonight, but I had to whoop those two before they were really our best friends. Those things happen as you grow. But here's the thing. In this crazy family dynamic, you all have to be able to get along. And every, I mean, you can't hate Uncle Joe. I mean, remember we talked about this. We've got to be able to be friends. And what does that mean? Well, it's that same thing we talked about about Jesus. It's the guy who's not fair weather and gone here today, gone tomorrow. It's the guy who lays down his life for his friends. It's those things that Jesus was talking about. See, now, can we be that in our, in our family? Can we be that with our, with our mate? Can we be that with our parents? Can we be that with our children? Can you be that with your aunts and uncles and cousins? And we're very lucky in our family. I mean, we're very lucky. We all get along. We all like each other. We all enjoy each other. We're around each other all the time. You can't throw a rock in this church and not hit somebody related to me. Don't throw rocks, but, you know, I mean, it's like everybody's, we're, we're all, we're, 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 we've been together a long time. We're very tight. And we're very close, but we're friends. 
That doesn't mean that we've always loved each other. and doesn't mean that my brother and I haven't gone at it a few times. But, you know, that was last month. We're good now. So, but but I, I sympathize in those other areas and in those other opportunities where, where families don't get along that way. But I also encourage people in those situations and in those circumstances. Seriously, it says, lay down your life for your friends. It wasn't just something that Jesus was talking about. It was something that he was instructing us to do. And in our lives, those fa- that family unit, those ones who are closest to us, are the ones that sometimes it's the hardest to lay our life down for. But I'm telling you, it's part of the commandment that God has given us to say, I love you, and I, and I am going to lay my life down for you. You know, with Elizabeth, she and I, we, you know, we've been married for 22 years. And, and we, we started off, we've gone through the whole gamut. We started off as enemies, mortal enemies. We did not like each other. And, and then we, we became acquaintances. And then we became friends. And then we became best friends. Where we spent all of our time together. And that relationship, as it got closer, as it got tighter, that's a bond that can't be broken. Then we got married. And then it got better. You know, when, when, you're, when you're best friends with your spouse, when you're best friends with your sister, when you're best friends with your family, I'm telling you, it takes you to a place where it gives you, encur- it gives you encouragement, it gives you courage, it gives you boldness, it gives you strength, it gives you an opportunity, it gives you a head start in that being who God called you to be, because not only do you have God that's standing next to you and with you, but you also have a group of people who are encouraging you, who are praying for you, who are standing beside you and in your corner. And on the other side of that, it allows you to be that person who's standing for. It teaches us faith. It teaches us to stand for my brother, to stand for my sister, to pray with my cousin, to stand with my mom or to stand with somebody else, to encourage and to befriend and to lay my life down. That by the time people grow up, and now I'm telling you, homes aren't like that all the time. Why do you think the enemy is after homes? Because this is where people, young people, begin to learn all of this stuff. And if you can jack up the home and if you can get the home all messed up, then people don't have any idea about relationship, don't have any idea about friendship, don't have any idea about love, don't have any idea about sacrifice, don't have any idea about being part of a group, a team, or a family, don't have any idea what any of that's like. And what is it supposed to be when you have a relationship with Christ? Like a family. It's a friendship. There's sacrifice involved. All those things that come out of that relationship. And so we have young people who are all unsure of what's happening and what's going on. I would encourage you. I would encourage you not to, not to be your children's friend, but to befriend them. Be strong, be firm, be with them, encourage them, help them grow. And then I will tell you this, that as they get older, you're going to enjoy them in a whole other way. And that, that's a great opportunity. We'll pray for families, I think, in the end, too, as we go. Because I think it's important that, that we understand that, that, that God is into restoration. You know, and, and if, and if you've, you've had it with your sister or your uncle or your aunt or your parent, I mean, if, if there's problems in your family, we want to pray. And we want to stand and we want to be part of it because we're family here. Right? We're all part of the family of God. We're all part of the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you why people decide that they don't want to really have friendships. And I, you know, I, I've just picked four reasons or four roadblocks, things I've been reading and looking around. And I was surprised when I went home last week and began to, to, to listen to some of the things that I listen to, podcasts and different stuff. There were friendship messages all over the place. I was shocked. Uh, as, I, as I went and sat down and began to look at stuff, they were popping up all over the place. It's just, just 
you know, God giving us another opportunity to, you know, I mean, this is, this is important, I think. Connection. Four roadblocks, really, truly, to, to friendship in your life, I believe. The first one is a feeling of inferiority. Many times I think we're not friends because we feel inferior. But I would encourage you this. Don't focus on your ability. Focus on Christ in you. You know, I think sometimes we, we, it is difficult. We don't feel like we have anything to offer. We've been through and been wrecked and been trashed and been torn up by people all over the place. But I'll tell you this, you could be a great friend. Why? Because Jesus is a great friend to you. And he will pour that into you and then you have that opportunity to pour that into somebody else. Don't feel inferior. Inferiority is a lie of the enemy. Really, truly, in your life, you're not inferior. God has picked you, he's chosen you, he's put you in this earth, he's gifted you and he's talented you. He's put you in a place where you can flourish. Now all we have to do is go forward and flourish. Don't be inferior. That's not, that's not who you are. The second thing is afraid to open up and be a friend. Don't let fear hold you back. Don't let fear of what people might think. Don't let fear of being hurt hold you back. How many of you have been hurt by friends? And really, as that happens and as that continues on, what do you do? You begin to shut the door on all those friendships. You begin to shut the door on new friendships. You begin to shut the door on other people. And all of a sudden, you find yourself where again? Isolated. I would encourage you, don't walk in fear. Open yourself up. If somebody comes, wants to be your friend, I would encourage you, open yourself up. Don't run away. How many of you have lost friendships because you've been hurt? And you, you've decided, man, the next one I'm not going to get into. Or I'm not going to go there. Or I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I was hurt. Allow God to do something in your life to change that. Don't be fearful. An opportunity to be hurt around every single corner for each one of us. I am telling you this not as, a, not as a bad confession, but you're going to have opportunity to be hurt. And it's how you deal with that and how you allow that to pass See, not just, not just lodge itself in your heart like we talked about last year in the heart, but allow that to pass through. That will determine whether you're successful or not. Third thing, really, truly, is feeling too busy. We talked about it earlier. We're just too busy. I, I, I'm too busy to have friends. That's not true. That's the enemy. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. Probably too busy. When I went to the Sudan this time, for the first time, I sat there and thought, you know what? I could do this. Brad and I sitting there drinking coffee all day. They take mandatory rest breaks all the time. It's 2 o'clock, go home. What? We just, we just got here. It's 2 o'clock, you got to go home. Oh, okay, so we would go back and have coffee. And then they'd say, come on, we're leaving. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's very, there's, they, 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 it's, it's very calming. Nobody's busy. They got a lot going on at times, but, but you're not busy. We, we, I, don't, I, think, I think we are fooled to think that we're too busy. The enemy wants to keep you focused on you and what's going on, not on what you can do in people's lives. The fourth thing really is a feeling of self-sufficiency. I don't need friends. I'm good. I'm good. Nope, not the truth. Think about it this way. Okay, Jesus surrounded himself with these 12 guys, and he went and he, and he, and he, and he, he picked them out and he brought them all with him, right? And then here in John, in chapter 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, I call you what? Friends. So now he has said to these, to these people who have gathered around there, Look, you're my, you're my friends. If anybody had the opportunity in this earth to, to feel self-sufficient and to say, You know what, I don't need other people and I don't need friends. 
it would be him. Yet in this passage, we see that he told them, you love me, I love you, you abide in me, I abide in you, you follow my commandments as I follow my Father's commandments, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then he goes on through all that, lay down your life for your friends, those kind of things. Then he says, you're not my servants, you're my friends. Because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but really, truly, I'm pouring out my life and my heart into you, and you do know where I am, what I'm doing, and where I'm going. And because of that, I call you my friends. So if Jesus says, hey, I'm going to make some friends, I'm going to have some people who are close to me, I'm going to have some people that I pour my life into, I'm going to have some people that I do life with. You know, it said he went to their family's house, he healed people in their family who were sick, he was interested in what was going on in their lives too, not just the people who were around, he was interested in what was happening to them and their families. And he was there for them, he was a friend. And if anybody had, a, had, a, had an opportunity to feel self-sufficient and say, you know what, I don't need other people that way, it would be him, but he didn't. But he didn't. Now, real quickly, four reasons why we can be or need, I think, need to be a friend. And then we'll pray. The first thing's real simple. You become who you associate with. And if you're a loner, you're just going to be all weird. Because the only thing you got is you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're stuck with just you all the time, all day long, things are going to get funky. First Corinthians, you've got to be careful, 1533 says, evil company corrupts good habits. You need to be careful in your relationships, but I'll tell you this, you become what you associate with. So if your life's wild and crazy and all kind of messed up, check around, look around, see who you're hanging out with. I'm telling you. If you're in that group, that young married group, there's good folks there. If you're in that married life group, there are good folks there. If you're in that fabulous 50s thing, man, there's good folks there. You know, if you're not in those groups, mentoring's a great place to get hooked up. There's good folks there. We share this and talk about this and tell this to people all the time who come in here. I Get here and be here with all the people who were a part of here as much as possible. Why? Because then you'll begin to change. You begin to go the right direction. When you deal with youth, and Dan deals with this, and Elizabeth and I did for years, and, you know, they do in the school corporations too many times, but, you know, I mean, it's tough when you have, like, one hour with a kid, an hour and a half in Blaze. You know, there are a lot of kids over there who, who none of you own. <laughs> They're not yours. They're coming from who knows where, from the east, the south, the west. Man, there's probably 70 kids over there now. That's more than's in here. So they ain't all yours. They're coming from all over the place. And you got an hour and a half to pour this into their life. And then they go back home and they're at their house now for, for six days and all but an hour and a half. So it's very difficult in those positions when they're with other people to affect their life for Christ. But it's not a whole lot different in our life when we spend time with other believers for about an hour and a half and then go spend the next six days in all but an hour and a half with a bunch of crazy heathens. It's important. It's important that we associate with people who are going the same direction that we feel like God has for us to go. Be careful, because you become who you associate with. I'm not telling you to change jobs or anybody else, and I'm not telling you not to reach out, because God says do reach out. But he says don't hang out. Reach out, don't hang out. He reached out to sinners all the time. He went to their house, he ate, he did those kind of things, but he didn't live with them. Who did he hang out with? The disciples. 
He went to those places. He ministered to those people. But he's not calling all the, all the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's not calling all the tax collectors. He's not calling all those people friends here. He ministered to them because they needed what he had. You minister to people because they need what you have. But you're friends with people and you grow with people who are going the direction that you're going. The second thing is friends provide encouragement and sharpening. Ouch and yay. Both at the same time. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I would encourage you, again, this goes back to that idea that says, if you're a loner, you'll, you'll allow yourself to think crazy thoughts. If you're a loner, you'll begin to, to, to believe things that aren't true. It's easier as the enemy would get you isolated for you to, to, to believe lies. But when you have somebody who's your friend, they're the ones who are telling you, you're crazy. That is not true. That is not what the word said. That is not who you are. They're also the ones who say, you can do it. You can make it. You can be it. See, a friend sharpens that. And a friend encourages and does those kind of things in your life. I don't know what kind of crazy stuff I'd be into if I didn't have good friends. I don't, I, you know, who knows? Because if you head down that path, I'm telling you, it begins to knock the crazy off of you. Every now and then I'll get a wild hair and I'll start thinking something that's crazy. And then I'll say something to Corey or something, and he'll look at me and go, that's crazy. And I'm like, what do you mean, man? He'll say, no, that's not, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Because he, he knows who I am. He knows where I'm going. He knows what's up. How many of you have friends? They know, they know your dreams. They know your vision. They know where you're headed. They hold you what? Accountable toward those things. Hey, you said this six months ago. Now you just said it again, and you haven't done anything in six months. They're not hounding you. They're encouraging you to be that and to change. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. A friend thinks the best, believes the best, hopes the best, wants the best. Always encouraging. And two more things real quick. A friend provides counsel and help. We talked about this last week. When you're in that place... And we said really truly in our life, when we fall into the point where we fall and we need help, we can cry out for Jesus and he's right there with us. But in your life on this earth, he's provided people, whether it's family members and people who are around you or whether it's other people that he's, he's called to your life to be a friend that help you, give you wise counsel, those kind of things. It's important for us. As believers, I think we totally discount the whole, this, many times we discount the whole friendship side of things. And I know what we have in Christ. And I know that it's important, but I also understand and realize what we have in our family, what we have in friendships and relationships and people who are around us. What I understand is that we can't do it, I can't do it, you can't do it on your own. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was all about. We can't, we, we can't do this, we can't operate, we can't be all that God created us to be without other people. Not just in the church. See, not just in the body of Christ that we need a hand, we need a foot, we need all those kind of things, but in our life. How many are just, you, you mean you're just, you're, you're best, your best friend in this earth, man, just, just helped you out left and right. You've helped them out, you've laid it down, they've laid it down, and all of a sudden you realize how many it was. It wasn't just a friend that you picked, it was a friend that God brought. Somebody brought him, in, just God brought him into your life and just put him there. 
And we shared this, Elizabeth and I and, and Corey and, and Allie, about six, seven years ago, we shared this story. And, and, you know, he's that kind of person for me in my life. And it didn't just because we came to church here. It didn't just because he showed up. He showed up here. We didn't know who he was. And really, Elizabeth and I didn't know who they were. I, I didn't have any idea what his dreams or plans or goals or visions were. I mean, he was just some guy who came in here, and I you know, think they stood over that direction somewhere or whatever. And Mom used to play the piano right here in worship. And then Corey got involved with her doing that, and then Allie showed up out of the blue somewhere. And so I, I, we didn't know who these people were. But it's important because God will put you with people, and he'll put you in friendships, and he'll put you in places where iron sharpens iron where you encourage each other, where you hold each other accountable, where you grow and where you begin to do life together. And Pastor Pam and Bill were going to Canada because they were getting married in Canada somewhere, in Goderich. I didn't know where it was. It was in Canada somewhere, you know, whatever. We didn't know who they were. But Pastor Pam and Bill were going to do the wedding, and she said, we were actually going to Canada for just, it's the weirdest. We were going to Canada. I was on a missions trip in Europe with a bunch of kids from, from Windsor, Canada. And they were doing a service, and I was going up there to be with them. And, and, and Pastor Pam said, hey, we're going up to do that wedding that same weekend. Why don't you come up and see that, see that and then go down to that thing with those kids and then come home? And I said, well, I'll do it because I like you. I mean, I'm okay. I don't know who these people are, but if you want somebody to sit with you, I'll come. You know, so we drove, we literally drove and we changed clothes in the parking lot of a McDonald's and we ran to the, to the, ga- to the church where they were getting married and sat with, we, we didn't even know who they were. We sat with Pastor Pam, we just sat with mom, said, hi mom, how you doing? We watched Bill, great service, Bill, high five. You know, and then, it, I mean, we don't even go to weddings here, you know, it was really odd. We don't go to a lot of weddings here. And so as we went out, you know, there's the receiving line and you go through and you shake hands and it was like, hi, I'm John. And they're like, I'm Corey, what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> but you know what God does, and as he begins to put you with people and things, and you, you don't know what that will mean in your life. You know how he puts you together in those kind of situations, in those kind of places. You have your family, and I'm telling you, that, that is thick, man. That is thicker than nothing. I'm telling you, that is, you gotta, you got to pray. you got to work. you got to stand. Don't get rid of those people. Keep standing for them. But then God will begin to add to that as your family is strengthened, just like we talked about, right, in those levels and those things. But the fourth part is because you have what someone else needs. That's why you need to be a friend. You need to be a friend because you have what somebody else needs. Friendship isn't about you. It's about somebody else. If you go back to where we began this service and where we began this part, because I no longer call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I've commanded you, that you love one another. Friendship isn't about you, it's about what God wants to do in you with somebody else. So I would encourage you, open up your heart to the people who God has brought around you. Be the kind of friend to the people who he brings into your life that Jesus is to you. That's what he's called us to be in this.
Let's stand up together, and I just want to pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.